0: Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 3rd of April, 2011, entitled, When a Christian Dies. And the Bible reading is taken from Psalm 116, verse 15. Here's Brother Steve Elliott. got to uh, preach a message this morning entitled, When a Christian Dies. When a Christian Dies. And... Um, well, hopefully this is going to be uh, relevant, not just because of um, the events in this last week, but this message should really be relevant for each and every day of our lives. And um, if we'd like to stand, I'd like to read one verse from Psalm 116 and verse 15. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. Dear Lord, we just want to thank you for your precious word. We ask that you'd help us now, Lord, as we listen, we pray that we, dear Lord, you will give us hearts, Lord, to receive your word into our lives, and to change us, Lord, to encourage us and build us up. In Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints you know that if this uh, statement appeared in a local newspaper maybe at the back maybe somewhere where you read about bereavements you read about people that have died recently you know that the willed would probably think that you've gone mad if they could read that statement precious in the sight of the lord is the death of his saints how can the death of a person be precious in anybody's sight, let alone the Lord's sight? You know that when it comes to the subject of death, the world are basically ignorant when it comes to the word of God. Uh, a couple of times this last week, um, I've been listening to the radio and there have been some programs on about um, death death. And about what happens after we die. And uh, I don't know if you heard the story about uh, a man from uh, Dudley. And um, he had this idea. I don't know if he actually followed it through, but I believe he did. um, They they had a live uh, broadcast. And uh, this man was going to be buried alive, okay? I don't think anybody else has survived this actual experiment. But he was going to be buried alive, and the purpose of it was that once he was buried alive, that he was going to find out what, was, what would happen after death, if he would be able to speak to any people. Shortly before that, there was another program, and there were these two experts on the radio, and they were attempting to uh, answer um, why strange things happen sometimes. Like, for instance, uh, somebody in the family might have died, and there might be... Like um, a window, uh, sorry, um, a picture or a mirror or a photograph falls off the mantelpiece. And also, maybe the television switches on, but for no apparent reason at some strange time, maybe the time that this person used to watch TV. And people think that the dead are trying to contact the living and they're trying to send some kind of message. And you know that these two experts, so called experts, In death, they were lost for words, trying to explain what exactly happens, what death is all about. But you know, there's one person who is not lost for words when it comes to about the subjects of death. And that is the Lord. He's explained it in this book. We don't need to go any further. It's in here. And he says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his Saints. I'd like to answer some questions and give some answers on the subject of death from the Scriptures. And uh, just like us, uh, very very quickly, just to look at four of them. First of all, the question: What is death? All right, death really it's all around us. You know, we were yesterday we were driving down next to um, down. Uh, I think it's called Ridgeway, where Witten Cemetery is. And if you've been into that cemetery, you'll see. That there is death all around you, graves as far as the eye can see, many, many, many uh, gravestones there. Uh, But what is death? What does the Bible describe as death? Well, if you just turn in your Bibles to James, James chapter 2, and we're going to read verse 26. And the Bible describes death like this it says, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So here, it's basically saying that the body without the spirit is dead. Let me just give you an example. You know when the Lord Jesus Christ um, was on the cross, and we read in Luke 23 and verse 46, we read these words from the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, Sorry, it says about the Lord Jesus Christ. So when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. So the Bible describes death as when the spirit leaves this physical mortal body. That's where death occurs. That's what happened last Sunday afternoon with Brother Seth. We know that he was involved in a car accident, and we know that there was a time where his spirit left his body. That's the time where he died. Why do we die? You know, that must be a question that many people have. Many people are ignorant of the scriptures. But also Christians, you know that question comes up: Why did that person have to die? And you know sometimes people can blame God. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I um, I was able to give a, 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 one of my testimony leaflets to a person that was working in um, a security gatehouse, and um, I went back a few days later, and I asked him what he thought of my uh, of my leaflet and uh, of my testimony. And I said to him, did you read it? And he said, no. He said, I didn't read it at all. I said, oh, why, why not? He said, well, if you knew what happened to my wife about five years ago and the terrible death that she had, she said, I, I, don't, I don't want it. I don't want it at all. And you see, I could see that this, this precious person, they needed some answers But he really, he wasn't very open and he sort of just tried to cut the conversation and he didn't really want to speak about it anymore. But I could see that in a way he was trying to blame God for what had happened. Why do we die? Is there anything in the scriptures that can give us an answer? Well, Romans 6 and verse 23. We Probably some of us know this verse back to front, but we need to know it. Front to back. Romans six and verse twenty three says this says for the wages of sin is death. We die because it's the payment for breaking God's law. It's just like if you go out into the streets and you get a brick, and you throw that brick through a window, okay? The police will get hold of you, they'll drag you into court, and the judge there will have his book, the law, and he'll read out the law, which says that thou shalt not throw uh, a brick through anybody's window with their property, okay, and then he will read the judgment that will pass, he's not just going to sweep it under the carpet, and it's like this with sin, the Bible says this, and um, if we had Solomon here, you would be able to remember this verse off by heart, but the Bible says about sin, it says, whosoever commits a sin, transgresseth also the law. For sin is the transgression of the law. So sin is basically when we break God's law, when we break his commandments. And when we break God's commandments, we deserve punishment. The Bible says that the punishment of sin is death. So the next time that you walk around the cemetery and you see all these graves, just be reminded why we die. It's not just because that person had a heart attack or fell off a building or, or some other reason. It goes all the way back to Adam and Eve in the garden. We know that Adam rebelled against God. We know that he transgressed God's law. God said, thou shalt not, th- not, thou shalt not eat of the fruit of that tree of, of, of knowledge of good and evil. And he disobeyed. And we know that in that garden, on that day, he started to die. Oh, yeah, he lived till about it was 900 odd years. But there was a day coming where he would, his spirit would leave his body and he would be out of here. It's going to happen with us, friends, one day, unless the Lord comes back before. Each one of us here in this room will die one day. And it's because of sin. It's inherent in us. It started off with the first man, Adam. Let's read verse, uh, Romans 3 and verse 23. Because sin is, is, is inclusive. Romans 3 and verse 23 says this. For how many have sinned? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It doesn't matter how good you may think you are this morning and how righteous you may think that you are. You may have a great name and you may have a great reputation, but the Bible says that you are a sinner. Why? Because there has been a time in your life, it may have been this morning, where you have broken one of God's commandments. And that basically means that you are a sinner. The Bible says that we are all Sinners, but all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But let's thank God this morning that Adam and Eve were not left in the garden without any hope. Because if they were, on that day where they would have died, that would have just been it. No, they had a hope. And that hope was a present day hope for Adam and Eve. God gave them a promise in chapter 3, verse 15 of Genesis. Gave them a promise of a coming redeemer. One that would crush Satan. And he did that. So sin entered the world through one man. But we can thank God this morning that through one man, many were made righteous. Romans 5 and verse 19 says this, For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Talking about Adam. Then it says, So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. And that happened, dear friends, on the day that the Lord Jesus Christ died on that cross and shed his precious blood for our sins. The Bible says that the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, Cleanses us from all sins. Wonderful. He is our hope. He is our Redeemer this morning. So we've looked at what is death, why do we die, who is a sinner, but who is a saint? The Bible says here that precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Who is a saint? Well, I don't know if you remember a few years ago, there was um, a TV program. It was called The Saints. Do you remember that? Back in the 70s, I think it was Roger Moore, wasn't it? Many people looked at, um, at Roger Moore. They looked at his car. They, they looked at the start of the program where they saw this kind of a halo around the head. You know? And people get this impression that uh, a saint is some kind of person, some great, strong person who's got some kind of halo above his head. Some other people think that a saint is somebody who has actually done some kind of miracle in his lifetime, and because he's done something, and it can be proved by so called evidence, that this person can eventually become a saint. This is what the Catholic Church believe. They do. Remember the last time that the Pope was here, and um, they, they tried to, was it Car- Car- Cardinal Newman? And they, uh, they said that they had actually found some miracle that he had done. And uh, you know, he's been put, put forward for sainthood. Is that, what it, is that what the Bible speaks about when it's speaking about saints? <laughs> well, let's have a look at what the Bible teaches. Just turn to Second Thessalonians chapter one. Second <clears throat> Thessalonians chapter one. And verse 10. And it tells us very clearly here who the saints are. Speaking here about um, the second coming. And it says verse 18 flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power? And verse 10 says, When he shall come to be glorified in his saints. That's what we're waiting for. We're waiting for the coming of the Lord. And when he comes, we will be glorified. In Him, and then it says to be admired in how many all then that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. So basically, a saint is somebody that when the Lord Jesus Christ comes, when He shall come to be glorified in His saints, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be glorified in us when He comes. He's going to be He's glorified now through the Holy Spirit. But he will be glorified when he comes. And we know there is coming a day, we were speaking about it this morning in our adult Sunday school. There's going to come a day where there are going to be people still here upon the earth. We're coming back with the Lord, but there are going to be people as well on that day that are going to be glorified in the Lord. There are going to be a a people that are going to be born again, saved through the great tribulation. Israel, the Bible teaches, will be saved. On that day, I wonder this morning, you look very nice people to me here this morning. I don't think there's one here that I've met that's not a very nice person, but I'd like to ask you the question this morning Are you a saint? Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal savior? Have you trusted him for salvation? I'd like to give uh, three reasons why the death of a saint is precious in God's sight. And you know, we can take encouragement from these verses here. And um, the first one I'd like to share with you is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 8. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 8. And the first reason why the death of a saint is precious in God's sight is because when we become absent from this body, the Bible teaches us that we are going to be present with the Lord. Let's have a look. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 8 says this, and Paul here was confident. He said, For we are confident, I say and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Friends, that is The reality that will come in our life one day if we are a Christian. When our spirit leaves the body, the Bible says that we will be absent from the body, but we will be present with the Lord. And if that's not something to rejoice about, I don't know what is. Can you imagine face to face with the Lord? Wonderful. Just as... To be in the presence of the Lord face to face. Wonderful. It's going to take us out of it one day. It's going to take us out of this sin-cursed world and the trials and the tribulations one day and the sin and death all around us. And the Bible says that we're going to be present with him. That's wonderful. And that's one reason why death is precious in the sight of the Lord, in, in the sight of God. You know that this verse was uh, shared by uh, Brother Brian Beaver in the week. I don't know if you had opportunities to, uh, to see on, the, um, on the, one of the, the websites, but Brian and uh, Veronica were able to give some kind of um, uh, tribute to Seth and uh, Brian He came out with a scripture. And, uh, you know, it's wonderful to hear this verse. And you could see in Brian's face, you could see that, yeah, you know, there was pain there, but you could see that Brian, he he had peace. And he knew where his son had gone. And he knew that he was in. He was absent from the body, but he was present with the Lord. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Wonderful. Second reason why the death of a saint is precious in God's sight, we find in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17. <clears throat> and here the context is of meeting with the Lord. We, uh, we know this is speaking about the rapture. And in verse 16 it says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, And with the trump of God, and the dead who, in Christ, shall rise first, and then it says in verse seventeen, then we which are alive, the Christians, and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. For how long? And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And the second reason why death is precious in God's sight for the saints, not only because we're going to be present with God, but we're going to be ever present with him. There's, no, there's not going to be any separation. There's not going to be anything that's going to cloud our vision and our, our relationship with the Lord. We're going to be ever present with the Lord Jesus Christ. Never separated from him. That's wonderful. We will ever be with him. You know, our minds can't really comprehend eternity because we live in time. But, you know, all we can, all we can do really is, is go by words and just take encouragement that it's never going to finish. Never, ever separated from him. That rejoices my heart. going to be the same with those that are going to be gathered there as well. We're going to be with them as well. Our brothers and sisters, ever present with the Lord. Wonderful. The third reason why the death of a saint is precious in God's sight is because the Bible says it's going to be far better. Let's have a read. Philippians chapter 1. Let's turn back a few books in your Bible. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 23. You know, many people, they have no real uh, hope. We were thinking about this on Wednesday night a little bit about when people, uh, when death happens and, you know, uh, people, you know, they they, they don't have, they don't have that hope that we have as a Christian. But Philippians 1 verse 23 The Apostle Paul says this, he says, For I am in a strait, a difficulty betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ. And then it says, which is far better. It's far better to be with Christ. It is. We just mentioned a few reasons why it is. One of those reasons is because of sin. All around, But he says here that it's going to be, it is far better. And I wonder this, this morning, friends, where do our affections lie? We can see here very clearly that Paul, he had a desire to depart. He had a de- desire to depart from this world. Now, he knew that it was God's will for, to keep him for a time because he had a job to do. And that job really was basically to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and to see as many people saved as he could before that day. And, you know, that should really be our desire as well. That should motivate us to reach the lost for Jesus. But, you know, we should also have a healthy desire to depart from this world and to be with Christ because the Bible says that it's far better. It is the bible's teach it's far better where do our affections lie colossians chapter 3 and verse 1 paul says this he reminds us that if ye then be risen with christ seek those things which are above where christ sitteth on the right hand of god and then he says in verse 2 set your affection on things above not on things on the earth not those things which are only temporary, those things which don't last. The Bible says that we need to place our affections on those things which are above. Seek ye first, the Bible says, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Wonderful. Let's just turn back to Psalm 116, and I want you to notice two things in this verse that it doesn't say. We know that it says precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. But well, There are two things in this verse that it, does, that it doesn't say. The first thing is that it doesn't say precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of everybody. Or the death of anyone. It says the saints. Okay? You know that the death of a non-Christian in the sight of God is tragic. How do we know it's tragic? Well, we know that the Lord Jesus Christ, he sent his only begotten son, the the, the person that he cherished the most, his son, down to this sin-cursed earth to be spat upon, to be despised and rejected and to be nailed to a cross and to hang there for six hours Why did he do that? He did it because death is tragic. The consequences of death is tragic to a non-Christian. It is. And I want to show you here this morning three reasons why death is tragic in the sight of God. And the first reason is the place that the unbeliever will go to. I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 16. And if, um, especially if you're not a Christian here this morning, these are words that you need to take note of very seriously. And uh, we read this here is um, the story that the Lord Jesus Christ told about um, the rich man and Lazarus. And uh, chapter 16, and we read at the end of verse 22, um, well, it says in verse 22 at the beginning, it says, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And then it says, the rich man also died and was buried. So we see here that there there came a time that, yes, the, the beggar died, but also this man that had everything that life could give to him. All the possessions, everything. He had, but there came a day where this rich man, he died. And the Bible says that he was buried. But I want you to notice the place that this man that died, he went to. And why it's tragic in God's sight when a non-Christian dies. Verse 23, it says, and in, what's the next word? Hell. He lift up his eyes. Don't let anybody deceive you, dear friends, that there is no place called hell. There is a place called hell. We just read about it. It's a real place, and it's that real and that serious that it took the Lord Jesus Christ to take the punishment on that cross so that you wouldn't have to go there one day. That's why death is tragic in God's sight for a non-Christian. When he dies, it is, it's tragic. Not only the place that he will go, but secondly, the pain that he will experience. Verse 23, and it says, and in hell, he lift up his eyes, being in sleep, soul sleep. No, it says, and in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torments. Hell is not a place upon earth. Hell is not soul sleep, like many teach today, and they have done for many years. It's a lie. Hell is a real place. Hell is a place where people are aware of what's going on. This man was in torments. He had a physical torment. He knew the place that he was in. And that's why it's tragic in God's sight when an unbeliever dies. Thirdly, not only the, the place that he will go, and secondly, the pain that he will experience, but thirdly, the providence that he will remember. Verse 25 says this, but Abraham said, well, let's just read the end of verse 24. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water. You see these two people were in two different places. One was in Abraham's bosom. Today we could we call it heaven. And the other place is hell, which is still there today. And he says that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. And then he says in verse 25, But Abraham said, Son, the next word, Remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. So we can see here that in hell, that this rich man was able to remember his life. He was able to remember that he had good things in his life. He was able to remember that he was rich. He was also able to remember that he had a family down here upon the earth as well. We read that at the end of, uh, of this chapter. You know that there are going to be many people that are going to be maybe in churches today that God may just remind them when they meet Him on Judgment Day, on the great throne of of Judgment Day. He may just remind them, remember that day that you were in that church and that Sunday morning and you heard the gospel message and you heard that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. And that you had an opportunity on that day to bow your knees and to ask the Lord Jesus Christ to become your personal saviour. But you rejected it. You walked out of those doors and you went on your merry way. And here you are today. Do you remember that? Well, I believe that may have just happened. The providence that he will remember, the unbeliever, You know, we see it every month when we go out on the streets and we hand leaflets to people. And you see people, it's tragic. You see people, they just rip them up in front of your face and you watch them going down the street and they just throw them in the bin. They may just remember one day the opportunity that they had. I don't know here this morning if there is a non-Christian in this room. There may be. Have you given your heart to Jesus Christ yet? Have you asked him to be your savior? Because this may be the last opportunity that you ever get. You might walk out of those doors of this church today and you may never get another opportunity to ask Jesus to become your personal savior. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not this afternoon. It's today. It's right now. Now is the accepted time, the Bible says. Don't leave it any longer. You know that God, he loves you. And he desires that you turn from your sins. It's called repentance. Let me remind you of a verse in Ezekiel chapter 33 and verse 11. God says this. He says, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. God is not willing, the Bible says, that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He loves us. We know this not just because the pastor preaches about it every week from the pulpit, but we know it because Jesus Christ died on that cross. There is no other reason behind it. He died on that cross because of his love. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He loves you this morning. He loves you. So here, first of all, we see, we notice the first thing in this verse that it doesn't say that it's precious in God's sight for everyone. But secondly, we see that it doesn't say precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of some of his saints. Thank God that it doesn't say that. It says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Okay? Now, you know, when a prominent uh, Christian dies, we might say, oh, this Christian, he may have uh, an abundant entrance into heaven because maybe of his achievements in his Christian life, maybe of some kind of merit, And we know that there are people that have had uh, godly people and have had great influence upon this earth. And we may think, well, because of this, this person is going to have some great wide door open for him because he's so godly. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of some of his saints. No, it doesn't say that, friends. It says of his saints. Ephesians chapter 2, we all know this verse possibly. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8. Let us just be reminded how we are saved. The Bible says in verse 8, it says, for by, what's the next word? Grace, God's riches at Christ's expense, okay? For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And then it says, not of works, lest any man should boast. You know, there are many people uh, that try and, and they think that they will gain entrance into heaven because of some good achievement, some merit that they have earned in their lifetime. It may be that you were baptized as a baby. Maybe that you were christened. Maybe that you came into Sunday school every Sunday for many, many years. And here you are today in the church. But you've never actually become a born-again Christian. There is a difference, you know. We can't be born Christians. We can't. We need to be born again. You will not enter heaven by any merit or achievement on your behalf. You will enter heaven. The gates of glory, by the grace of God. Yes, it's through faith, but that even even faith is not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, lest any man should boast, not of works. Nothing that you have done. Remember those words that we were singing just before um, the message this morning. Only by grace can we enter. Only by grace can we stand. Not by our human endeavor, but by the blood of the Lamb. It's all to do with Jesus. He paid the price. We can't add anything to it. He's done it all for us. It's Wonderful. I wonder, are you trusting in something here this morning? If you're trusting in anything else, but the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ for your salvation, friends, it's not going to, It's not going to last. It's not going to hold water. It's going to crumble. Our hope needs to be built upon Jesus Christ and him alone. What he's done for us. Wonderful. Well, I'd just like to uh, conclude uh, this message um, here this morning with a thought, really. You know, it's Mother's Day today, isn't it? And... um, you know it's a day where hopefully we will have some kind of contacts with um our mother and uh, you know we will hopefully say to a happy mother's day or something of that kind okay i wonder do you know what the the last words of seth were to his mother before he went to be in the presence of the lord Do you know what those words were let me read you to them to, to you. And these were, came from Veronica. Okay? These are the exact words that Seth said. And he said, you know you're my number one woman. You will always be. I love you. Those were his last words to his mum before he left this world. I wonder this morning, are we holding any grudges, ill feelings, maybe bad words to our mothers, to our fathers, to our children, maybe to workmates. You know, life is short. We don't have tomorrow. We don't even have in the afternoon. We may never get another opportunity to tell somebody that we love them. You know, I try to make it my, my aim before I go out in the morning to tell my wife that I love her. It's good to keep short accounts. It's good to keep short accounts with the Lord. It really is. But it's good to keep short accounts as well with one another. You know, it's, it's good to have a clear conscience because when we hold grudges, we hold bitterness, we get bitter, and it causes division. How would you feel if your loved one, or if you, how would you feel if you had to depart or your loved one departed? And those last words were maybe, I don't know, bad feelings, maybe bad words. I'm sure you wouldn't feel very, very good. You uh, a little bit of an example just before we finish but um, a couple of weeks ago I noticed that there was a, a customer of mine and he um I could see that he wasn't right with me I could see there was a problem this man as far as I know he's not a Christian and he curses uh couriers delivery people and um you know I've had a good relationship with this this um elderly man And uh, we've had good words together, but the last few weeks, it hasn't been going so well. And I noticed that when he saw me, he just walked off and he ignored me. And I just went to him, and I knew that I just had to ask him. I wanted to clear it up, you know. And I just said to him, have you got something against me? Have I done something to you? And he says, "Says, yes, you have. I said, "What, what, what is it? He says, well... You tried to get three um, people sacked in this um, in this place a few weeks ago, and I said, well, I, didn't, "I didn't try to do that." And uh, he says, um, "Yes, you did." And um, what happened is um, probably about three, no, two or three months ago, I came to uh, the building, and the doors were closed, and I knocked on the door to try and make this delivery. And uh, I was told to, I'm not going to repeat the words, but it wasn't very nice what he told me. And uh, I could i could really tell who it was. So I just decided to go into the reception and to hand the goods to the to the boss. And he said to me, why, why didn't you hand it in at the door, Put the goods inwards? I says, well, somebody, you know, he uh, said a few words to me and he wasn't going to open the door, so I just handed it here. And a few moments later when I left, he went to... His staff got them all together and he gave them the right good talking with. But, you know, I could tell that there was something there between him and me. And it wasn't good. Even though, you know, I don't find that it was my fault. I wasn't to blame. But it doesn't matter. You know, even when somebody has a grudge against you, you know, the Bible says that we're to go to them and to seek forgiveness. And um, even though you may be in the right. But we need to remember That, you know, we need to live each day as though it may be, just may be the last day that we ever live. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, we uh, just want to praise and uh, thank you this morning for the Lord Jesus. We thank you that he is everything to us. Thank you, dear Lord, for the promises that you've given to us. We thank you that the word of God says that it's precious in the sight of the Lord. Precious in the sight sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And we thank you this morning, dear Lord, that we can have that assurance that one day when we leave this earth, dear Lord, that we will be in your presence for eternity. And it's far better. Dear Lord, if there's one in here in this room this morning that has never asked Jesus to be their personal saviour, We pray today, maybe before, Lord, that they leave this building today, that they will become a Christian. And, dear Lord, if any of us here have had grudges, we've had bad words to one another, Lord, help us today to put things right. And help us, dear Lord, in the days to come to live for Jesus Christ. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.